Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, Marital Tour of Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Well, she's on her grind again. Uh, who? Me? Nope, not Sydney. I Cooper? mean, you are on your grind again. Not Cooper. Cooper's doing her thing, sleeping. She just had a great bath. And a well, great, a great poop. A great poop. And then a great bath. And now she is passed out in my arms. Nah, Gwenny P. On her grind oh, again. Oh, no. GP. GP. That's how she signs her little general practitioner with right. a paltrow gp she's you know I, she doesn't mean that to be misleading i'm not i'm gonna give her that like yeah. i don't think she Nobody i doubt uses she that knows term anyway yeah well outside of the u.s it's used a lot more frequently okay but yeah um yes gwyneth paltrow this is actually i'm gonna get into how gwyneth paltrow is attached to this story by the end i promise <laughs> Um, this is actually an older recommendation of hers, though, that oh, we're going to okay. cover this week. We're going to not... go to the boneyard, find some classic <laughs> deep cuts. The, but the reason is that there was a there was a story in the news um, just just this last week or two uh, that sparked this episode. Um, a lot of people had already recommended this topic, so this isn't like out of nowhere. But um, but let's get into it. I want to talk about apotherapy. Okay. Apotherapy. Apotherapy. How you fix your apathy? No. Okay. I bet you could figure out that root word. Root word. API therapy. Uh, API. API. Come on. API. In reference to. Oh well. Like an epi pen. No api. No api. Well, this sit. is going to go nowhere. Well, You're going to no, Google just, it just, and pretend no, no, like no, no, you no, knew. No, 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 Google it. I'm just going to say that having to do with bugs. Bees. Bees. Having to do with bees. Of or relating bees. to bees. Yeah. Okay. So it's like bee stuff therapy. Okay. Bee it's the, junk it, therapy. Yeah. It's, it's, it broadly refers to the use of any kind of bee product to treat disease. Okay. Um, and like I said, there, there's a recent story that I want to start with, but um, Stephanie, Annie, Dana, and Brendan have all suggested this topic in the past. Just took us this long to get around to it. So thank you. Thanks, y'all. Uh, so like I said, this we have talked about honey before. That's not new. Mm-hmm. And that would be considered a bee product, I think. Probably the primary bee product that... Yeah, one of the top five B products <laughs> that we use. I hate to uh, choose favorites, humans. but it's defo up there. But um, so I'm not going to go back into honey because we have a whole episode on it. And if you haven't listened to it, the long and short of it is honey actually works for some stuff. Yeah, it 
it is uh, uh, demulcent. It's good for wound healing. Uh-huh. So in some cases, so that there are some actual medical uses for certain kinds of honey. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, we have a whole episode about it. Go, go listen to that one. Yeah. And if you're already listening, <laughs> download it again, sucker. <laughs> But we're not going to we're not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the other bee products. So let me tell you this story. This is why this is why this has sparked my my interest at this moment. Uh, There was a recent case report published that tells the story of a 55 year old woman in Spain who was receiving regular bee acupuncture treatments. Now. What, just tell me what you think that means, and you're probably going to be right. Like acupuncture, except be using bee stingers to sting the place. Now, acu, I think, means in the right place, right? <laughs> how are we getting bees to be like, a little to the left, Jerry? Like, so, how are we acu anything with bees? I, I found this term, bee acupuncture, or actually, I also found the term apipuncture. Apipuncture. Does api, I don't know about the prefix AP. I guess I just did of relating to bees. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unless it means completely random as so, to where you're being stung. So this woman was receiving uh, bee stings, bee acupuncture treatments uh, for muscle pain. She had a lot of muscular pain and that is one. Of, we'll talk about all the things that it is used for, but this is one of the things that it is. And I'm not saying treats one of the things it is used for. Uh and she had an anaphylactic reaction to the bee stings, and she unfortunately died. Mm. Um, there are some complicating factors. The health center where she was having this done, which was not like a hospital or necessarily any kind of doctor's office, just a health center, center. Uh, where she was having this performed, they did not have epinephrine. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. It's Justin. Hi, I'm from America. I do a podcast. Um, That's not to say like we haven't figured out America just by way of introducing myself. Are you sure you don't have an EpiPen? Hey, look under the candles. Hey, can we take a second? Just dig under the candles and make sure that your bee sting factory does not have an EpiPen in it. I know they're pricey, but like... (laughs) Right. We're we're not going to throw too much shade because I can see that happening in the U.S., not because you didn't know or think to have an EpiPen, but because, you know, they're prohibitively expensive for so many people. The life-saving yeah, drug that's you know prohibitively expensive. Put, yeah, for sure. That's I'm no doubt that's a total crime. <laughs> Let's go ahead and fold that into the startup costs of our freaking <laughs> bee sting resort. That's true. They made me have EpiPens on hand when you were like just looking at some tarantulas on your TV show. Yes. And that wasn't that didn't even really make any sense. But like I did it. Yeah. You have two EpiPens (laughs) Uh ready off my holsters. Um, So so they didn't have any epinephrine and uh, it took the ambulance like a half an hour to get there. For, I don't know all the reasons, location, I don't know. But the point is, there were complicating factors. One way or another, though, a woman was receiving what was being called a medical treatment, and she had a predictable reaction, now, anaphylaxis, uh, and she unfortunately passed away. Now, this is very sad, and I've, I'm sorry for her family. It's always a tragedy. The, 
is it weird that she had an anaphylactic response like if she'd been having this regularly isn't this the kind of thing that like you do or you don't this is actually the kind of no this is predictable and can happen Go on. where you do not have a reaction the first time you're stung by a bee or even the second time it can happen if you have uh continued random exposures to a certain um trigger some people can develop sensitivity over time and have an anaphylactic reaction mm. I'm not going to say that it's common. It certainly isn't. But so even if you don't think you're allergic to bees, eventually there could be one that gets you. Is that what you're telling me right now about bees? The, it is much more likely in a case like this where you're intentionally repeatedly oh, being exposed course, to yes. bees at a random schedule with random doses and all that kind of stuff. It's not a random is... schedule. It's every Tuesday at four. <laughs> or I can't even I can't even be myself. Unless I've had my bee things for that week, <laughs> um, and we'll we'll get more into that. But let me let me take a step back because if you if you're interested in in bee therapy, there are different bee products that people use and have used for a long time. We talked about the long long history of honey. Well, honey is not the only bee bee thing that people have used for health reasons. Um, we talked about bee venom is also called apatoxin, apatoxin, mm-hmm. apatoxin. Um, and it contains some proteins that can trigger an inflammatory response, especially if you're allergic. Um, obviously, even if you're not allergic to bee stings, you get an inflammatory response. You get like a little red bump yeah. and it hurts and it gets swollen. And, it's unpleasant. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Um, but obviously, it's much worse for some people. There's also uh, propolis, which is a mixture of uh, bee spit and bee wax. Mm. And it's used as like a sealant on the hive. Like it's all, it seals up all the little holes. It's not like if bees dipped. It's like a resin. Okay. Yeah. And then they, they like put it all over the hive to like hold it all okay. together. Okay. Um, and then there's also royal jelly. You've probably heard of royal jelly. Yes. I have heard we got some, we've gotten some for Christmas before. Yes. And my dad takes it all from us. He yeah. hoards all of our royal jelly. Wild about this stuff. He is to use on his on his face. I think a, I'm just gonna say face. Probably I face. don't want to know where else my dad if uses he's put royal it other jelly. Places, I Let's not talk about Check, that. Please. Let's Thank forget you. we ever had that part of the conversation. New episode. Hi everybody, welcome to <laughs> So royal jelly is a secretion from certain glands in the bee that is fed. It's actually fed I always thought it was just fed to the queen. It's actually fed to all the bees, but the queens, like, they develop in it. Like, I saw, you can see pictures of this, like, little pools of royal jelly with mm-hmm. with queen bee larvae in it. Wow. Like, developing. Wow. So they get, like, a lot. Because I think any bee can become a queen bee if she believes in herself. No, if <laughs> if she... I, according to Tyra Banks. <laughs> if she is, if she can smize, if she models H2T, and if she is submerged in royal jelly when she's a larva. <laughs> <laughs> is that... That's the sequel. To, that is the plot of Model Land 2. <laughs> God, I can't wait for that book to come out. <coughs> so, uh, so these are all, all these things supposedly have had medical applications for a really long time. Royal jelly, as I've already kind of mentioned, is very popular in skincare. A lot of people say it makes you look younger and your skin firmer and has more elasticity and that kind of thing. Um, there are a lot of alternative medicine 
uh, sites, for instance, on the internet that will advertise it for everything from allergies to Alzheimer's to menopause to diabetes, uh, sperm production. It's commonly recommended if you are worried about fertility or virility or you just want more sperm because you like them. Um, Royal jelly Mm. is recommended for that. Uh, There's no clear mechanism of action for this. Like, why would this substance do these things? Eh, we don't know. And um, there's no real strong evidence that any of that works. Um, Propolis is supposedly effective for a couple different things. Oral health, like any kind of dental disorders. Mm. Um, Stomach health, any any disorders of the stomach and you know you know something is sketchy when they just start saying it's good for stomach stuff it's good for like gynecological stuff Uh, yeah and then it's also recommended for some cancers is it though by whom Mm, sister people who don't have any degrees related to medicine oh so is Mm. that so you telling me that uh, degrees or knowledge about medicine is what qualifies someone to advise which medicines you should take? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is there more to that question? Fair enough. No, that's fair. Um, I want to focus mainly on BVT, B-Venom Therapy, because this was the one that I found the most intriguing, uh, because it seems so counterintuitive. I don't like to get stung by bees. Okay. Do you? My lifestyle is such <laughs> that. Have you never been stung I, by a bee? No, I have. In my younger in my younger days, I definitely was stung by bees. My lifestyle is such that it would need to be like a bee would need to come to our home and have interest in like leasing half of my office for like a co-working situation and then eventually I would just accidentally sit on him or something like i don't know the situation that would lead to me being stung by a bee at this point in my life did you ever get yelled at for running around outside without shoes on because you might get you might step on a bee and absolutely and then did you stepped on a bee had did happen yeah i know see i was yelled at frequently well not yelled at i was instructed firmly to put on shoes (sighs) so i didn't step on a bee never stepped on a bee ran around barefoot a lot yeah i'm my parents were mainly just jives that i was outside (laughs) uh so Bee venom therapy, you can either administer it from the bees directly or you can get injections of like collected bee venom. And it is used even to this day. You'll see people claim that it's good for arthritis, um, specifically multiple sclerosis, MS. Guys. And then again, you see some people recommending it for cancer. Now, the use of this dates back to ancient times, the ancient Egyptians, the Greeks. Um, it was used in ancient Chinese medicine. It was advised by all of the all the big hitters, Hippocrates, Pliny, Galen, Celsus. Uh, of course, they all agreed on only one use, and that was gout. Okay. They all said it was good for gout. Plenty threw in there that he also thought it was probably good for baldness. Probably, if a bee gets probably. up there. Probably, if you get stung on the head by a bee. It's hard to say. Oh, I see you got stung by a bee. You got a little mm. patch growing in there. It's nice. He also said honey was good for that, which, I mean, if you're giving me the option. Uh, between the two. Honey. Um, And you see, like, throughout all these different uh, recommendations throughout history, mainly for, like, r- rheumatism arthritis Mm -hmm. basically aches and pains and that kind of stuff um 
you see it used as either like live bee stings. They take like dead bee carcasses and powder them and put them on people. Um, nice. Take extracts of the venom to inject um, and then just even eat like just bee bodies. Bee bodies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or, or rub them on your joints. I mean, all kinds of variations in this. Um, it, it was used for acne for a while. Just to have bees sting your face, which mm-hmm. leaves a red well. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you can say, "Oh, it's not acne; it's just this, bee stings." Oh, I cured my acne. This is just a lot These of just bee stings. <laughs> my face is just covered in bee stings. No acne. <laughs> what? No. What are you wild? No. There's no acne here. Look above my face; it's all bees. They're they're just highly attractive bee stings. They're just cool bee stings. Do you see how they form the pattern of a <laughs> unicorn? This and a skull. Is a skull. It's a very particular. Um, it's documented that Charlemagne would receive bee sting therapy for gout. Uh, there is also some evidence in the 1500s that bee stings were advised for things like kidney stones and like issues urinating. Just get some bee stings. Just get some bee, get a bee in there. Um, be a sting. And you see as late as like the 1700s, it popped back up as a recommended cure for baldness again. Okay. Sure. I really feel like somebody must have gotten stung by a bee and grew some hair later and At just some threw point. off medical science for a long time. Yeah, like there had to be people for whom this like <laughs> did pan out in some way um, for the legend to be perpetrated that long. <laughs> it really started to pick up steam in the 1800s and, and that's that's kind of what I want to focus on next. Okay, tell, tell me. But before I do that. Oh, man. Let's head to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. My name is Ryan, and I love Oh No, Ross and Carrie. I'm Megan, and I love Sawbones. I have a genuine love for the investigations of paranormal claims. No matter what they talk about, no matter how gross it is, no matter what the syndrome or whatever they're talking about, they find a way to make it funny. It is smart. It's not brutally honest. It's refreshingly honest. I realized I was listening to almost every podcast you guys put out. The least I could do was give something back. I became a Max Fun member because I wanted to support the things that I that I was getting so much entertainment and joy from. These are listeners just like you, and they support Sawbones and Ono oh Ross and Carrie with a Max Fun membership. The 2018 Max Fun Drive is April 2nd through 13th, and if you want to support your favorite shows too, it's the best time to sign up or upgrade your membership. Just tune in starting April 2nd, and we'll give you all of the details. Uh, now, you were about to tell me uh, about some 19th century commotion, R.E. B. Venom. <laughs> so, um, the at, in the 19th century, we see the use of B. Venom kind of spreading, like, west, westward ho. Here comes B. Venom. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's that on the wind? By then, it, it, it was actually interesting. There was folk wisdom that um, beekeepers never got arthritis. This was like just one of those common like little tidbits like, oh, well, you must be a beekeeper. You don't get arthritis. You know, like people say mm-hmm. when people say that yeah, about beekeepers. For sure. Um, and that was because of this association with getting stung by bees and it being helpful for arthritis. Uh, you also started seeing um, people who were bringing acupuncture to the West doing it with bee therapy doing it with bees 
uh, which at the time, I don't know. So I guess this is a good time to kind of describe the way that it developed. Sure. Because you said that about like, would just randomly get stung by bees. And that's what I envisioned at first is you just put somebody in a room with a bunch of bees and like hope they get stung. Mm-hmm. Like tell them to like insult the bees, maybe throw things. Something to make the bees mad. Call them names. Call them names. Um, Show them the news for more than five minutes. <laughs> no, but the way that it works is you actually have to hold the bee and lower it down and like place it on the person's skin. And what I read is that as soon as you let go, the bee is, will have been frightened from, I guess, being held by a very large mammal mm-hmm. and will instantly sting the surface it's landed on. It, and then it lands later, on. And then later die. Yeah. The stingers stay in. They're removed 24 hours later. Mm. So you just leave them there for 24 mm. hours. It's pleasant. But also the yeah. bee dies. Yeah. So after it stings one time, it beefs it. That's a really terrible... I didn't think about all of the bee fatalities. Yeah. How about all the bee fatalities? Yeah. Also, the next time you want to do it again, you got to go out and catch a bunch more. It's not very fun. This Hope you got a lot great. of clover fields near your house. Considering how we're trying to, like, preserve bees? Yeah. Could we not? Maybe th- send them on kamikaze to me until into just now. Butt? So anyway... um, so you could go to an apopuncturist and they would, and that's how, that, that's how it would work. They would hold a bee and then it put it on your skin in the place that they wanted to apply. So that's, that's where the accuracy comes in. They could put it in the same places that they would place acupuncture needles. Okay. Um, and then it would sting you and then that was it. Um, certainly you could be more accurate if you were extracting venom from bees and then using needles to inject it. Okay. But that wasn't traditionally how it was being done. Um, in 1888, a book was published, a report about a pe- peculiar connection between the bee stings and rheumatism uh, by Philip Turk, who was an Austrian physician. And this really kind of codified this um, like folk medicine tradition that it was, it was being passed down and a lot of people kind of did it. But this was the first time like it was put in print widely enough that everybody read it and said like, oh, well. Bad. Hmm. Hmm. Dumb. I'm excited by this peculiar connection. This peculiar connection. Um, in 1935, Dr. Bodog F. Beck published. Oh, th- don't rush on past <laughs> that that little gem, sister. Why don't you give it one more pass and give it the relish and the oomph it deserves? Uh, Bodog. Dr. Bodog <laughs> F. Beck. Guess what uh, the F stands for? <laughs> Did you guess? I I don't think that's what it stands for. Francis. <laughs> so he brought. Bodog. Of course he did. Of course, Bodog brought it, it to the U.S. Bodog Beck on the sevens and nines got traffic. <laughs> Bodog Beck. Uh, so he he brought it to the U.S. Um, for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and, uh, then from there we started seeing another physician, Charles Moraz, start recommending it for the use of autoimmune diseases. And then that's kind of where you saw it spread from like arthritis to specifically like rheumatoid arthritis and then for, um, MS and, and all kinds of diseases of like the joints and connective tissues and that kind of thing. Um, now here's kind of the, the theoretical and the real science behind this. Okay. 
Um, because I think what's unfortunate as the more I read about it, the more I found that there's some really intriguing things about bee venom. It's just that it's not like what we think, what we think is true isn't. It's not a panacea. Right. Which nothing ever is. Nothing ever is. So the idea is that bee venom has anti-inflammatory properties, which is weird considering that it has specifically inflammatory properties. Like Mm -hmm. it is specifically, it induces inflammation. Right. Um, And that it can block pain receptors as well. Okay. And they have they have seen some of these effects both in in vitro and in small animal models. They've seen some ways that it like activates and blocks pain receptors briefly in intriguing patterns and they're not entirely sure why. Um and so then that could theoretically, you know, if you just saw that you might think oh well maybe it'll block pain in a human Uh so there are some intriguing things about bee venom for sure um but when they've tried to replicate these studies in humans one you're not going to find any large-scale studies like nobody's doing this head-to-head with like ibuprofen and seeing what works better or something well nobody wants to waste all the bees (laughs) and a lot of people don't want to get stung by bees oh weird um and the results typically have not been statistically significant. So you got to be careful. I noticed this in a lot of the studies that at the end they'll conclude that there is something to it. And if you read the numbers, what they saw was a correlation, but the numbers actually... So what you have to calculate in a study is how likely is this to have happened by chance? Okay. If there is a difference between the two groups, between the group of patients who got bee venom and the group of patients who didn't... Which there almost certainly will be of some amount how likely is it that this would just have occurred by chance versus actually indicating Mm -hmm. you know some therapeutic benefit and the majority of the studies didn't show any any like it was not statistically significant so it could have just been by chance Mm. Um, and that's also another hard thing to sham treat like if you think about the group of patients who are getting a pill or nothing versus the group <laughs> of patients who are getting, getting pinched. Well, that's the thing. Like you would have to like apply stings in the wrong place or apply something that you think is a bee sting, but isn't. Mm-hmm. It'd be very hard. And which acupuncture, it's hard to do that in general. We've talked about that before. It's hard to do sham acupuncture. You just basically are putting needles in the wrong place. Right. Um, but I mean, either way you're getting stuck with needles or stuck with something. Right. So it'd be a hard, it'd be a hard study to blind. Um, and when you start to look at objective results, then the uh, then the then you start really seeing a lack of evidence. Any time they have said there was a difference, it was subjective. Mm-hmm. So it was asking people afterwards, "Do you think you hurt less?" And them going, "Yeah, yeah I think okay. I do." And I'm not saying that people lie. I and, would and never really suggest that. You guys really gave me a shot at my elbow, right? The bee really stung me with my elbow, right? Because it <laughs> definitely did feel like my knee. But you guys think the elbow? I believe you. But we know how feels good either way. We know how powerful placebo can be, and um, if the patients who agreed to the study already believed in bee venom therapy, how likely they may be to to experience results one way or the other, um, which is great, but doesn't mean you should get stung by bees. MS studies have not shown results that are that, that, that it is helpful. And that's really important because you will see a lot of claims to the contrary, that this is used as a treatment for MS. No, uh, yes, people will tell you that and people are falling victim to that. 
but they have never shown a reduction in the plaques that form on the mm. brain and spinal cord. They've never been able to show any improvement in that in patients who've received B venom therapy. So even though you will, you will see that lie again and again and again, it's not. There have been patients who subjectively say they think they feel better afterwards, mm-hmm. but it's not actually halting the disease process. Um, there have been some shingles patients, patients who got zoster shingles. Um, and fibromyalgia patients and rheumatoid arthritis patients, again, who've reported subjective improvement, but nothing that we could test or objectively mm-hmm. clock or anything like that. Um, and this is used way more extensively outside the U.S. So you'll you'll see a lot of these studies have been published outside the U.S. and are not being done here. There just aren't as many cases of it here. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many patients who have bought into it at this okay. point. Um, now, before you start B therapy, B venom therapy, you're supposed to challenge the patient to see if they are allergic. Yes, that seems like a good step. Not just take their word for it. You're supposed to actually test them for a B allergy. And B allergies are pretty rare. So if you're testing and asking, and statistically they're rare, most people are probably going to be okay. But sometimes, as I already mentioned, sensitization can occur, and that can be very unpredictable. So you can have patients who have received weekly treatments for years and then all of a sudden have an anaphylactic reaction. And I think that's where you have to really come down on if if there is this possible risk, even if it's small, then you better have some really compelling benefit if you're going to try a treatment. Right. Because all treatments have risks. I mean, that's usually what at this point, somebody who practices alternative medicine would look at me and say, well, all treatments have risk. Absolutely, they do. But we don't recommend them unless the benefits outweigh the risks. And so far for B venom therapy, we're not seeing that to be the case. There was a case in 2003 of a 34-year-old man who received B acupuncture for pain in his back because he had a bulging disc. He had planned four sessions. The first time he got 50 stings to his upper back. They were left in for 24 hours and removed. The next week, it was the same treatment. The third week, he got 60 stings to his back and butt. And then on the fourth week, he got 70 stings all up and down his spine. Um, Some number of hours later, he began to experience vomiting and difficulty breathing, and he became severely ill. He had, uh, he he became hemodynamically unstable, meaning his blood pressure dropped very low. Uh, He became unresponsive. He was transferred to the hospital. He was put on a ventilator. Um, Eventually, uh, they were able to get him off, but he was found to have had a hemorrhage in his brain. As a result of what was probably like an anaphylactic reaction that was yeah, triggered. From all the beast things. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, in 2011, a 35-year-old woman receiving bee venom therapy for multiple sclerosis developed liver injury. Uh, she came in severely jaundiced and was in um, possible liver failure. She was treated and recovered. But I think when you see these cases and I'm, you know, so far I have not seen any compelling evidence that it works... Right. Why would you do that? And again, this was endorsed a few years ago on Goop by Gwyneth Paltrow herself. Um, She puts these little notes on some of the articles, like if she actually tried the therapy and is like, hey there, kiddos, I use bee venom therapy for some pain. Yeah, well, she signs them GP for some pain I was having and it just worked great. And so now I'm going to tell you all about bee stuff. Um, So she's she has endorsed it saying she used it herself and that it was helpful. What 
what I kind of alluded to. There seems I, I want to I want to invent a new thing, and I think this is going to really catch on. It's called Gwynecdotal evidence, and <laughs> I like that. Thank you. And and basically, what it means is Gwyneth Paltrow says something worked, and there's no other evidence. Then you have Gwynecdotal evidence. There there have been this is this is what I was saying. There have been some studies in recent years. These were published, I think, in 2014, where researchers actually isolated the components of bee venom that seem to have some positive effects. They synthesize them. And so in doing this, by, by taking out the things that you think are helpful and then creating them synthetically, you're removing all that bad crap that keeps hurting people, which is like, I mean, key if you're developing a yeah do the least harm therapeutic you know treatment so they they synthesized these compounds and they started using them against cancer cells actually delivered by nanoparticles okay yeah they've actually found some ways to create like nano bees yes to deliver these compounds oh my god i was feeling so disheartened and then this episode really turned it around the end with the presence of nano bees yes and they found some evidence that they were effective in obviously targeting bees. Are you kidding? Cancer me? cells. Now, of course, these compounds could do. No, stop right there. Wait, no, no. I'm. Let me, no, this is fine. this is also good. This is all good science. These compounds could do damage to healthy cells, just like no, any chemotherapy Sydney, could. I didn't want to hear well, that about nanobees. That's where the nanoparticles come in. The nanobees are they they're like smart bees they deliver it directly to the cancer cells which is i mean that's where we're trying to get with cancer therapy right better at targeting the bad cells and less destruction of the good cells which means less side effect and less damage to the body Mm -hmm. um and they have found some some intriguing in vitro studies so the next step are human or animal studies and then human studies this is a long way off but i think this is an example where a volunteer's tribute (laughs) To get the nano bees. I think I think this is a really great example of where there is a truth in all this. There is a real scientific truth that we could all be really fascinated and excited by. But when it's covered up with all this junk, with all this pseudoscientific junk and people who are exploiting that for financial gain, because if you think all of these people who are administering bee venom therapy are doing it for free out of the kindness of their hearts. They ain't. No. And, and I think that's unfortunately, it, it hides what might be a really fascinating scientific discovery underneath. Um, and, and, and it can be really hard, even as a physician, somebody with like a medical background, to wade through all that to try to figure out what the truth is. Yeah. And so if you don't have any, you know, medical background or scientific training, it's almost impossible to, to figure out what, what is true and what is not. And that's... It's very frustrating. I guess what we come back to is the nano bees will fix everything. So thanks Wait. everybody for listening to this episode <laughs> of Nano Bees, a new podcast that's just about nano bees. Now, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, sorry, did you have something else you want to say? I was going to say that I think that the bottom line is please don't get stung by bees intentionally. I mean, I'd rather you not even get stung by bees accidentally because that hurts. But if you were considering being intentionally stung by bees. My advice would be don't. Uh, so back to nano bees. Thank you to all the <laughs> nano bees that listen to this show. That's so cool. It makes me feel really cool that I made something that y'all would like. Um, uh, next week's the Max Fun Drive is going to kick off. It's going to be fun. We got some cool episodes lined up. We're going to have gifts. We're going to have uh, 
great gags. We're going to have a, just a joyous time as a family. And if you like Sawbones and you want to support us, this is it, folks. This is the moment. This is the time. So get pumped. Get psyched. We've got great stuff for you for the whole two weeks, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, you know you know, you were going to get a lot of mileage the next time you're out with your buddies and you start telling them about Nana Bees. So. Thank you. Yes. Uh, that uh, Thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as the intro of our program. And thanks to you. You're just the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that is going to do it for us this week. So until next time, uh, my name is Justin McRoy. I'm Sydney McRoy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Unless it's with nano bees. If you get a bunch of nano bees. No, no, no. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.